Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's another week, it's another episode. I hope you're all doing well. I'm Stu Iffin, I'm your host. And today, I'm joined by two guests. Normally, it's just the one, but I was blessed and lucky to have both Frank Carter and Dean Richardson from the Rattlesnakes. And what an absolute joy it was. Um, both complete gents. Um, we had a lot of fun. And after hearing Frank on Scroob's podcast and being a fan of Frank's music uh, over the last, I guess, 10 years now, certainly didn't disappoint in any way, shape or form. Uh, fascinating conversation. I hope you guys are going to enjoy it. Um, before we get on with the podcast, um, big thanks to um, Scroob and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to 76 for producing this. Thanks to My Name Is Ad for doing the artwork. If you like this and you want to hear other episodes, please have a look in the, the back catalogue because there's episodes from people that we mentioned in this podcast, such as uh, Mr. Eddie Temple Morris, uh, Daniel P. Carter. Uh, they all feature on previous episodes. And if you like music and musicians and producers and artists and actors, then just go and have a look in the back catalogue because there's a stack of it to get stuck into also we have a patreon account where we put an extra uh, episode out each week as well um and there's merch and stuff like that so the place to go and find out about all of it is www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com i'll keep this intro brief please enjoy off the beat and track with frank and dean from the rattlesnakes i've got an announcement save our souls clothing www.sosclothing uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, They've seen their audience grow massively 
and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out, because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast, and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Right, we are recording. We are at the Queen of Hoxton in the basement. Thank you to those guys for letting us use this little bit of space today. And sitting up the scene is Dean and Frank Carr. Hello. Hello. You all right? <laughs> Very well. Very well. So you've been here before and it was a bit messy, right? <laughs> yeah. We've had some that. nights in the Queen of Hoxton, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last time we were here, though, it was a birthday party and it was just, um, yeah, the last kind of solid thing I remember is just smashing a bunch of tequila shots like, on stage as we as you guys started playing and I was like I'm not ready yeah. I'm not ready I mean I just I, I forgot we played that was the least eventful <laughs> part of the I just remembering everything else that happened nice. Uh, yeah. nice yeah well as I mentioned to you before we started recording normally um, when I do this podcast it's one on one I'm lucky that both of you are here today yeah, so thanks for having uh, us both yeah. we're, oh, thank you it's a grim day out there today, isn't it? Mm. It's pretty bleak, yeah. The summer's vanished already. <laughs> yeah. We had a weekend. We had a weekend, and <laughs> yeah. that's it. All right, well, so track one, mm. I asked you to pick the song with the greatest intro. Yeah. And uh, do you want me to prompt you for the songs that no, you've chosen? Well, I, I picked probably one of the great, the great, well, say greatest, definitely the most memorable intro to a record that I've ever heard, which is... It's uh, Bobby Tarantino, which you know lo- logic, and um, it was Bobby Tarantino too. Like he is grand- grandma's spaceship, and it's like he somehow managed to convince uh, the voice actors from Rick and Morty to come and be Rick and Morty and explain <laughs> while they're traveling through space what they wanted to listen to in their spaceship, and um, they pick Bobby Tarantino. They're having like proper debate about like. Which which Logic album they should listen to, and it's like it's quite funny to hear these two people that are clearly fans of Logic like discussing like, would you want to listen to mixtape Logic or do you want to listen to Bobby Tarantino? And then they finally get down and agree that they both want to listen to some gangster shit. So the jam Bobby Tarantino too on this, and it's fucking amazing. And then it drops in, and it's like yeah, it was just memorable, you know. Like I I think a lot of people. You can take music quite seriously, you know, and, and I and I I do a lot of the time. I'm an artist, so but it was nice to just be reminded that like actually sometimes you can have a lot of fun with it yeah, too. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. got you got you got a platform, you got a responsibility to yourself and your fans, but also to like have fun sometimes. Yeah. Mm. It's supposed so, to be escapism, isn't it? Exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And that was I remember just putting that on the first time, and being like, "What the fuck? <laughs> this is ex." Like it was so extra, but. 
I listened to it last night for the first time, and I was like, what the fuck's this? Rick and Morty. Yeah, well, what we do is we also put a Spotify playlist together as well, so people can listen to all the songs that you've chosen as Madness well. Madness so, uh, going to be the most hectic playlist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So, can I ask you both, like, in the sort of time that we live in now, where music can be quite disposable and instantaneous and stuff like that, mm. With intros, how much pressure from the label is there to, to, to hook them straight away? How much pressure do you put on yourselves on an intro? How do you approach writing an intro to your songs? There's no pressure from our label. No. Because the label is us. Yeah. So, actually, probably there's loads of pressure from us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, we think about records... In vinyl terms, I think mm. we always have. Yeah. You know, in the fact that there's a, there's two sides. There's a, there's a side A and a side B. So our track listing's always been like really integral. And I was talking to someone yesterday about our opening track. And I think for me, when when we when we wrote we wrote you know we wrote all the songs. We recorded some of them. We, you know, when we finished Butterfly, mm. just the way it swells in, the first line, like. Everything about it, everyone I spoke to, they just said that once they heard that song, they wanted to hear more. Mm. And that was like, where else can it go? But at the front of the fucking record, you know? Like, cause it just but it, it's not an immediate, immediate track. It's, just, it's no, a proper intro to a record. I think if we had had a label, not all of them, but a lot of them would have, would have wanted something that's mm. within 10 seconds, there's vocals and things like that. So... I think we, I think we probably do live slightly outside of the rules in that sense. Like we, by being our own label, we don't have the same discussions that other artists will have about skip rates and stuff that is yeah. a horrible <laughs> reality of the of now. But we still treat it as art, whereas I think a lot of our, uh, artists don't or can't. Because you mentioned something at the beginning of, of, of that answer about sort of side A and side B. Do you mm. still approach putting yeah. an album together? traditionally in the sense of like when you would get an album on vinyl and you would mm. know it as a, as a piece of work rather yeah. than in a, in a time where a lot of people just go onto iTunes and cherry pick yeah. the tracks you still put it together as a, as a piece of work we were Absolutely. changing it to the literally to the deadline like having full listen throughs together we we sit down and have a drink and and yeah, we, we had <laughs> six drinks. We, we actually had delivered drinks, and then we delivered <laughs> the fucking tracklist. We were like, nailed it. It's so sick, so celebratory. And then, and then the next day, Matt was like, "Thank God, our manager was like, thank, thank you so much for sending it over." But why did you put this here? And we were like, "Hang on, what? It was missing <laughs> like, a whole tune." Wasn't hang it? on a second. And we, he was like, "You are absolutely not allowed to drink while you make tracklists ever again." I was like, "All right." But cool. no, we we really do care about the tracklisting, <laughs> and it, and it is like it's one. Of, I I really enjoy it. Like it's. A, it feels just like the hardest puzzle. Like you've got these songs now, and you've got to find the order. And we'll even have the song, like discussions about whether the song will make it if it can't find its place in the order. <laughs> like the yeah, opposite it's a of science to it. Yeah, it's a real art to like getting that bit right because it stays there forever. Because also you got you got to try and think. It's not just about what opens it, but then you've got to think what closes out the mm. first side. Where do you want to leave everybody? And then you need a second opening track. Do you know? What yeah. I mean? But also that needs to be seamless in the record itself when people are just going to listen to it streaming or on the CD in yeah, the car yeah, yeah. or whatever. So it's, it's fucking, you know, there's a lot goes into it, um, at least for us anyway. Mm. Oh, it's good to hear that people still approach it in that kind of traditional mm. sense of a, an album being a, a body of work, you know. Yeah. yeah. Track two, 
The first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you? Fuck, I can't even remember what I said. You went for Floyd. Shine on your crazy. Oh, of course oh, I said great. that. Of course I said that. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm sure there were there were songs earlier on that I listened to, but this one is the first time. When I, when I was listening to this, I had just read quite an in-depth article on Sid Barrett. And I was, like, absolutely fascinated by him and early Floyd. Mm-hmm. Like, the Bicycle Song is one of my favourite songs of all time. The way they recorded it, the split mm. vocal, is, it's haunting and terrifying and, like, so pop and, like, so Beatles. And, and so when I listened to that, like... Uh, you can't help but hear like the fragility in the music and like the the absolute um, love and respect and admiration and almost a sort of sense of loss about him as well completely isn't it? Mm. completely that they had for him you know like it's like you, you know you're the great arguably you're the greatest fucking rock band in the world yeah and and you you lose touch with like this this genius absolute mm. genius and it and it falls apart and what else are you gonna do but write like the opus of opus to to honour him and and what an what an incredible fucking what an incredible piece of music do you know what I mean? Like, so I asked you how it affected you emotionally. What was the emotion that you drew from that? Oh man, Did, great fucking sadness. Mm. A deep, sorrowful mourning. Because uh, also, like, I w- you know, with any with any of that stuff, like I, any time I hear, I don't know if it's the same for you or or you. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but any time I hear any kind of emotionally affecting piece of music, any little thing that I've got going on in my life immediately in the <laughs> forefront of my mind yeah. that I'm fucking in tears like yeah. same if I watch a film or if I watch a TV show and like someone that I'm fucking invested in in that show is suddenly hit by a car yeah. or shot or well, I'm, I'm fucking pieces yeah. because I can't I, you know and that, that is what great cinema great art great music does to you it, it stops you in your tracks and it makes you think about your own life and like what you've got going on it puts things in perspective but yeah the the, the you know it wasn't um then when i listen back to it now like there's i listen to that song and i i feel everything there's elation there's joy there's there is sadness that there's immense happiness and you know and excitement it's inspirational to like go and think like fuck this is that should be the benchmark of like what what you do for people you know like mm. when you when you yeah do you like to sort of indulge that sense of emotion when you hear music like even if you're not particularly feeling maybe low or or a sense of yearning or something like do you have certain tracks that you just think I'm going to listen to that and I know where it's going to put me and, and just to sort of indulge them emotions that you can draw from music do you know what I'm saying? I, I do know yeah. what you're saying I, I have um, I, I don't have the same sort of relationship with that like I am like a highly emotional person um, so I can listen to a song that I've sung and celebrated 
I listen to fucking Sky as a Neighbourhood. I've sung that song at the top of my lungs mm. in, like, absolute, like, fury at gigs <laughs> and just been like, fucking yes. What a tune, yeah. And then one time I put it on in the car, I was driving my daughter and I just burst into tears. And I was just like, fucking, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, I just... So, so I can't... I try not to... I personally try not to indulge any kind of emotion too much because they're all fucking there every day in my life. Yeah. Anyway, I, so I've definitely got songs where I'm like, I know exactly how it's going to make me feel and I'll almost use it sometimes, whether it's a good or a bad thing. Like, I, can put, I, can, I know I'm going to put it on really loud and I'm going to feel a certain way and that's why I've gone for that song. Um, and it's when you hear them songs when you didn't choose to play it <laughs> when, when you're out and you'll hear it and then you'll suddenly be like oh my god I'm not prepared I didn't yeah. create this environment how old was you when you heard that Frank? I couldn't tell you um, not old enough to know better <laughs> like, <laughs> mm. I, like I would have been early 20s probably yeah because yeah, I remember jamming a bicycle song like on repeat at the back end of a gallows tour, like, just in my head, like, this is the greatest two minutes of music I've ever heard in my life. And it's nothing. It's just like, mm. I've got a bike, you can ride it if you like. It's got wheels and bells and fuck it. It's, it's so ridiculous, but it's just like, it's pure, you know? That's why I like people like Daniel Johnston. Like, it's yeah. pure. It's, it's, it's the purest form of artistry you can get. And it's like a... It's like a Matisse painting, do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's, everything's fucking there. So, yeah. So, to, to go back a little bit, to your kind of entry point into music, um, not, not as, as a band, but as, as people, mm. like, was there music on at home growing up? Yeah, endlessly for me. My, my dad mm. played guitar, and I pretty much listened to Steely Dan and Pink Floyd every day. <laughs> like, it was like the... The annoying thing was my dad could not have music on. That's what our family used to like, like be annoyed about with him. Um, and then when I get a little bit older, I realise how lucky I am that he mm. was just kind of yeah. basically soundtracking our life with, with good music mostly. He literally was at the Royal Albert Hall with his dad last night watching Joe Bonamassa. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's, this is it's like... just when you're young though, you have no like you have no idea that that's not how everyone's yeah. parents are. And, yeah. and and you seem to even have parents that are immersed in music or not. Like yeah. My mum was one of the youngest members of the Elvis fan club in the UK and ended up like knowing the person that run it and she became like my brother and sister's godparents and stuff. And so yeah, I grew up like surrounded by music almost to the point where I didn't really. It was just, I was quite blasé about it. Like, I'd play guitar and then put it down and not care about it. It wasn't, like, a special thing until it kind of hit me um, that I wanted to make music. But, yeah, very lucky with my early kind of offerings from my parents. And you, Frank? Yeah, it was, it was very similar. Um, my dad wasn't around a lot. Like, he, he just worked relentlessly. But what he was, you know, before he had me, um, sort of tail end of the 70s into the early 80s he was he was um he was a dj you know and like cds has kind of just been born <laughs> and so like yeah my dad like there was an entire wall of our living room was just cds the furniture I, made for it and wasn't there yeah <laughs> they and loved a really them. Not, like it was black ash <laughs> you know it was a fuck, just with shelves 80s, just the size man, of like, cds black and my dad glass, loved it fucking yeah black <laughs> Black glass things, yeah. and then and then just like the like this immense sound system, which at the time like I was completely ignorant to. You know, we had mm. a shit TV, but we had an incredible sound system, which I just never really 
never really respected until I got much older. And then I realised, like, the weight of, like, equipment that my dad had in the house. I was like, mm. fucking, you were a bit of a lad, weren't you? Yeah. Like, but, yeah, so we had everything. Everything from, from the specials and madness right through to, you know, fucking Phil Collins and Genesis and Dire Straits. And it was just all there. Mm. So as musicians, at that, at that point, going back to... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That kind of entry point into listening to music. Was you already sort of deconstructing music and working out how it was put together as, you know, more as a musician and as a creative than, than, than maybe just sort of listening to it and, and enjoying it for... I think, I think I, was always, I was always in awe of, like, how do you create that rather than, like, understanding the layers and stuff. Yeah. And I remember, I, remember I, wrote, I started writing on a guitar as, like, a secret in my dad's bedroom with his guitar really early to see what I could do. Um, but it always felt really like an enigma. And I think, I think I've always been drawn. I don't, I don't like know music theory, and I don't think I, I could have learned it by now, but I don't think I want to, because I think, for me, it's the magic of like just instinctively trying to create something and seeing how yeah. close I can get to the music that I've always kind of been in love with. So I think, yeah, I've never, I couldn't listen to a Pink Floyd song now and say, oh, okay, cool, they're playing it in 6 4. Yeah. That's in that key. Oh, he's done that chord change, which is why I feel emotional. Like, I don't want to know that. <laughs> yeah. I just want to like try and create stuff that makes me feel the same way some of my favorite music does. But um, I was all, all very early wanted to make it, but not not understand too much about the details of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, do apologise for some background noise here. The, the, the guys are in the venue cleaning it ready for this evening. Um, <laughs> I'm going to move through the questions a little bit quicker than normal because I know that you guys have got stacks yeah, on today. No stress. Um, so for track three, I asked you the song that reminds you of your time at school. Oh, my God. Slipknot. Oh, my God. Of course <laughs> it is. Wait and bleed. <laughs> yeah, it's, a bit, it's Slipknot because, like, we had to... We had a prom. You know, everyone has a prom. You're age, like, 15 or whatever, and um, the DJ was just like... <laughs> I'm taking requests, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, walk up in my leather trench coat with my hair in fucking knots. 
and my acne and my pocket full of vodka. <laughs> and I was just like, bam, slam this CD on the table, slide it over to him. I'm like, there you go, mate. And it was just, I just re- recorded Wait and Bleed on that and just, like, that was it. Like, you play it? He just, yeah, he played it, yeah. Oh it was my just God. fucking insane. Like, the whole, like, Surely everyone that... that was a member of, like, my little gang just immediately hit the dance floor. <laughs> and, like, there's girls in, like, their prom dresses trying to mosh. And, and then it, like, lasted about a minute and a half. And then he was like... <laughs> 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 like now for something completely different. <laughs> but at, it was good. It was a good how was school? School was all right, man. Like, I mean... I was lucky, like, I went to I went to a good school that was, um, you know, the teachers were engaged. But, like, I was I was four foot tall with bright ginger hair and my and big ears. So I just got, like, bullied quite a lot, you mm-hmm. know, like. Um, but that shit, like, it, it makes you who you are. Like, it, it's character building. Um, I didn't really know what was going on at the time. Like, I, I, like, now when I look back on it, like, I definitely, you know, there were reasons I didn't want to go to school on a Monday morning, mm. <laughs> obviously. Um, but also for me, like, it, it, it's interesting because I've never, I never really applied myself musically, ever. I didn't take music as a GCSE or an A-level. Like, I still can't really play any instruments. Like, I can sing, but, you know, and I, and I sang really well at school until puberty hit and then it was gone. <laughs> so, was, you know, like, it was just, and that was quite devastating for me because I was quite good. Like, you know, I had a quite good voice when I was younger. Um, got quite a good voice now, hey, mate. All right, let's go. Let's go. I said I had let's a quite good it. voice. You should have heard me back then. Yeah. Fucking jeez. Um, but yeah, so it was. It, you know, school was up and down, like it, like it is for every young kid. Yeah. Mm. So what I would say, if you're a young kid listening to this podcast and you're going through some shit at school, go through it. Just fucking keep going. Keep your head up. Fuck them all. Like it, it ends. And when it ends, yeah, the intelligent ones are the ones that arrive to the top. And trust me, yeah, if you're having a bad time when you're fucking, like, 15 to, like, 18, fuck, man, when you hit 25, you're going to be having the best fucking life it ever. It is that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 100%. The, the people that were having the best time at school are now the people that you're like, oh, it didn't go quite well for you after school, did it? <laughs> yeah. <It's, laughs> yeah. I yeah. say it to my daughter every morning. She, my, my youngest, he's, he's so riddled with anxiety and mm. hates school and comes home every night and says I've got no friends and yeah. has a lunch on her own every day and like as a parent um, I, I know you're a parent Frank yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. don't know if you I'm not no like, but I've been you can do that as much as you can for your kids but you can't make their friends for them no, you know? no, and, no. It's, and it's painful and I say to her all the time I said look because she's so creative she's so great with like YouTube videos and messing mm. around with like songs and stuff and I'm like trust me when you get through this yeah. Yeah. you're going to be the one laughing being creative and clever at school is not cool and it's insane because even as soon as you hit a level even suddenly all the people that just got by by being cool and whatever like smoking or whatever was cool at the time then are drawn to you because they're like oh so you've got skills that can actually do stuff in this world for the rest of our lives and then suddenly these people want to be your friend and it's the weirdest thing but i think it like you said it can definitely help also mold a stronger person that goes out into the real world with far more failures which then create, builds them up so and more interesting yeah fuck yeah yeah, yeah. okay um j- just before we move on to the next question did you did you kind of feel a connection with with your mates at school and stuff like that did you feel and also did you feel like as as i know you said you wasn't you, you were singing but mm. was creativity like encouraged at school mm. it, it it was by my teachers that were 
creative, the art teacher and like you know, my art teacher, Mr. Smith, was epic. He was fucking a uh, living legend. But it was like it was I could tell it was hard work for him, you know, the system. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, when you get older and you realise this some of the teachers that were incredible but just fighting against it, like you realise yeah. that in hindsight. But um yeah, no, my my school didn't really really have much positive creativity it was a it was I, I bonded with other people in the same position that didn't like sport which is all my school seemed to care about so then we started bands and there was the odd teacher that would let you use a room to to start a punk band on your own but the the school kind of education side didn't enable any of that for us i was like the one kid i was always in bands mm. but i was always a singer you know it's going back to like you know like music early in your life and how it, whether you wanted to play or not I never could play I never want, I was never interested to but what I cared about was performance mm. you know I would, I would watch great performers and just mimic them and just try and like do that and so I was always like just extra you know mm. didn't really have the best voice but like I was happy to get on a table at a gig and like fucking sing from there you know and like draw all the attention to me like so that people were at least were, like smiling going the fuck is this kid doing like, <laughs> do you know what I mean like it, it's awful but mm. he just started he, he's the only person in this room that doesn't know it <laughs> do you know what I mean and like if you've got that kind of confidence which I didn't have as a kid but I was able to switch it on in my performance like that carried me through a lot of life like it really did so do you feel like you have something to say <clears throat> When I, when I started getting a bit older, yeah, definitely. I couldn't find the words a lot of the time. I feel like I've got more to say now than I ever have in my life. Like, g- genuinely. And I can find a fucking... I know, know what I'm trying to do now. Yeah. Um, before, I, I, yeah, I, I tripped over myself a lot. Quite a lot. But I think a lot of people do. That's growing up, right? Certainly is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Track four. The first record that you remember buying. See, I can't even You went for Dookie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, we used to have a Virgin Megastores in Hemel Hempstead. Mm. Was there one in Welland? Yeah. yeah. Turned into MVC. I don't yeah, know yeah. What happened to that? <laughs> yeah, we had an hour price, actually, before that. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, that's going way back, kids. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I remember walking in there, and they had... I bought, like... Dookie was the first one on my list. And then... A week later, I bought... Um, I'll tell you about Dookie in a minute. But a week, a week later, I bought... I went back in and bought, like, something else by Green Day. And, the guy, and I bought it from the same guy. And he was this guy that just had, like, jet black hair. Mm. Like, tons of skull rings. <laughs> he was like... And it was clear that he wanted to help me, but didn't know how. Yeah. Because I was buying punk and he knew metal. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and then, so literally, like, I, I remember going in there, like, the next week. And he was like... Hey, follow me. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is weird. And he takes me over to Green Day and he's like, we got these in for you. And he's like, somehow managed to get like Japanese release editions of everything. Like, wow. And I'm like, bro, this, this whoa, like, this yeah. is amazing. And they have like all the bonus stuff on it. And like, so I, I and he was like, you don't have to buy them, but we got them for you. <laughs> I, was like, I, c- I couldn't even afford them, but I like had to buy like at least one or two of them. How fucking and cool then, is that? Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, he, he was a fucking cool guy. Um, and it, but then I, re- I remember going back in like a few years later, and I and I by this point you know we had a bit of a rapport. We, I'd been mm. ordering some CDs that were coming out, and um, I went in. I remember going in there, 
and him just like, I bought a bunch of records and he just slid the Lamb of God CD <laughs> over the counter at me. He's like, you must listen to this. Yeah. He was waiting was for like, his time, wasn't he? Yeah, all that, all those years. It's going to be like, all right. Yeah. yeah, and I bought it and I just remember being like, fucking hell, what is this? But yeah, but Dookie, like, look, Green Day, uh, mm. one of the most important punk bands of all time, I think. Like, they just took everything and they wrapped it up in that skate punk sound that so many bands were trying to find. And what a sleeve. <clears throat> what a sleeve. Yeah, I mean, that's probably inspired my drawing along the way as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's all there, man. It's all, it's all there. Nimrod, actually, was the, was the, that was the next one that I bought. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. That's so cool when you you find someone like never having like an older brother or sister myself, mm. like it was speaking to people in record shops and things like that and, yeah. and them turning you on to stuff and it's like I hope that still exists in some of the indies and stuff like that because it's a really good rite of passage, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, we talk about it a lot because we just did some stuff to support Record Store Day and we're always trying to support like young independent record stores because <clears throat> of what they did for me, you know? Mm. And that was, we're talking about Virgin Megastores, yeah. but back when people really cared about the fact that they could work in music, you know, yeah. in retail. Now you've got Banquet. Yeah, it's Kingston. happening every day in Banquet. Like yeah. It's still, still got that same culture, yeah. for sure. You've got the LP Cafe in yeah. Watford. You've got Empire and St Albans. You, get, you, you know, resident in Brighton. Like, so many good record stores up and down the country that are now packed with adults like me that were kids like me mm. that went into a Virgin Megastores to buy a punk record and someone said, oh, if you like that, you'll like this. Yeah. Mm. And you put it on the listening station. Oh, my God. You know, next, to the, next to, like, <laughs> the, the there's, buttons. like, Cliff Richard and there's, like, all the, all the number ones so that all the biddies are in there. There's like, always one alternative listening. CD in there. To yeah, the and then they come in with the key and they, like, unlock it and they're like, here, here you mm. go. And, and you jam it and you're just, like, suddenly you listen to Ramstein in Hemel oh Hempstead Virgin Megastore and you're just like, fucking hell, I do hast. We need a... <laughs> do you know what I mean? We need to get I, a listening I, station at merch. Yeah. Imagine bro, that. Yeah, like. so sick. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> As long as it can have a Ramstein. <laughs> so for track five, gents, I ask you to pick the song that soundtrack your clubbing years. Yeah. Were you clubbers? And when I say clubbers, that can be rock clubs. That can be. I'd say clubs. we're probably more clubbers now than we've ever been. But. Yeah, yeah. But thing, yeah, thing is that I've, I did grow up going to rock clubs, and if and like, if I had, I could have given you like tons of songs: "Time Bomb" by mm. Rancid. Fucking, you know, killing the so name of the machine. It's really? fucking so tune, like dance, dance mm. banger. But we actually love dance music, and mm. we love techno, and we love house, and we love like all that stuff. So when I heard that question, it was like the only thing for me was a justice song, mm. and it was either 
D-A-N-C or We Are Your Friends. And it was, it was and I can't remember what I put down. But it, it was, was Justice versus Simeon, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, and the thing is, like, for, for me, we, we still listen to them. It There's, still goes on before we play quite a lot yeah, in yeah. Our, our playlist. It's a cracking tune, isn't it? Mm. Oh, man. It's, Do you know how it come about? No. So I had, um, you guys know Eddie Temple Morris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I had Eddie on. And, uh, and he, when he was on uh, XFM, mm. he used to do his show, The Remix, where mm. he would get aspiring like, young producers to send him mashups. Yeah. And someone sent that, that mashup in, outrageous. played it, and then obviously the rest is history. No. And both artists have gone on to become super successful and make incredible That's music. That's incredible, yeah. It's, it's mental, isn't it? That's <laughs> mental. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Eddie did. Uh, remix of In the Belly of a Shark. Really? Yeah, and it's mental. Like dancey. Get him in for the stuff. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, he's a top lad, he's Eddie. Yeah. What did you guys want from clubbing? For, oh, man. Um, a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> At the no, time. We, we definitely both thought the same thing and I thought, think of something else, think of something else. <laughs> That's why that's... most people go clubbing when they're young. Yeah. Like, it's to like, meet people. Yeah, and to dance and like to kiss and to fucking feel all mm. the things that you want to feel when you're young but you can't really do like, anywhere else. With rock clubs, there's that also that sort of sense of like, oh, you, there is a belonging because there's a lot of other people here that want the same thing. Um, so I think I definitely enjoyed... The confidence of being out, not a gig, but like out drinking and out like partying, but with loads of other people, yeah. rather than being like the, the five sort of emos, as it were, for me at yeah. the time in a regular club. I definitely was drawn to rock clubs for that. Yeah, I think that's, that's so important. Like, I've, I've run a club in, in Essex called the Pink Toothbrush for 30, well, I've worked there for 27 years, and it's oh. the longest running sort of alternative club in the UK. Mm. And it's it's so mad to sort of see constant generations of awkward still people need that, yeah. coming in that feel that connection mm. and can express themselves and yeah. dance to the music that... Well, I saw Annie Mack was doing a big thing about how club, like, clubs that have like a niche and like a, a, a certain community they serve are thriving. General kind of like everyman clubs are closing down because they're being replaced by like Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> But clubs where you're going there not just to meet someone but to, to meet people that are like you are actually thriving and getting bigger and bigger and doing bigger events. So exactly I think that will that. always be a need for people. Completely. I think, mm. you know, you look at historically why a lot of people go clubbing is to meet people of the opposite sex or yeah. the same sex and, yeah, yeah. and to, to drink booze. And, and, and now you can go to a supermarket and buy a case of lager for like nine quid. Mm. You can create your own. You know, and obviously you used to go to clubs to hear new music. Yeah. You, know, you indulge with Spotify. You can make your own playlists, have your friends around. So the community part's the and, bit that's left, I think. And, yeah. And you can literally chat to people on Tinder. Mm. And I think you're right, completely right when you talk about those niche venues mm. where you want, where you've got that longing to find like-minded people. Yeah. And, and they're, they're few and far between. I mean, I know I'm a lot older than, than yourselves, but even when, when you were younger and going to alternative clubs, I'm sure there was a lot more then than there is now. Mm. Like, you know, you'd come to London and there was Indian rock clubs everywhere. Yeah, and yeah. They, they don't really exist as much anymore, and it's a shame. Mm. You know, you wonder where these kids go to, to kind well, of find their way. Just online, but that's just kind of like going to every club in the world all at once. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, it can be dangerous, I think. Okay, track six. A favourite song from an artist from your hometown? Oh, who did you go for? I didn't say from my hometown. 
I said, said home country. Yeah, Waterstead home country. Do you go out on John? If it I went, was, if, I went county, El- like, if I went Elton right, John, first I, if I went Elton John and nailed it anyway because he's, he's Watford boy. Is he from Watford? Yeah. Job done. Uh, yeah, nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. it Elton John yeah. this one? Yeah. If yeah, I yeah. hadn't known that though, if I if it was a home county's call, but you know Dave Vanian is from Hemel Hempstead. From the really? Band. Yeah. Really? How fucking cool is that? Awesome. Yeah, sick. But anyway. Yeah, Selton John, and it's Benny and the Jets. Like, this song is again... Is, we, we basically have picked, like... We always try and find a way to get back to our pre-show playlist. <laughs> it's the most important playlist of music for us because it's the one that gets us yeah. like... This track, like, we will literally be carrying it on the speaker yeah. on our walk to stage. It's like time to go to stage. It we'll... like... When I just hear that, bam, bam, bam I'm, like, <laughs> fucking headbanging already. Like, it's just so good. It just absolutely sets the vibe to play... Was it in? We just did some shows of Bring Horizon in Australia, and it was like arena shows. And one of them, there wasn't really a side stage, and so we walked out with the thing, and there's just like thousands of people, <coughs> and we're just like the other side of the barrier with the UE boom, just bopping to this tune. <laughs> but they can all see us; they can probably hear it a little bit amongst the playback. Right? It's it's that, like what we hear literally just before we go on. Brilliant, brilliant. And I think at that point. Elton John was pretty untouchable, wasn't he? I think around that era of his, his work, it was. He's a complete living legend. And when that's the ironic thing about people that are alive and legends is they don't really, people don't really realise that until they stop making music or they're gone. Yeah. And he's a hundred percent in that list of people. Yeah, yeah he's an absolute fucking icon. Right, I sometimes I just realise that Elton John's touring, and I'm like, I know it's on his last tour now, but you're like. I should be going to these shows. Yeah, I've never had the opportunity yeah. to see Pink Floyd and all these people. Yeah. He's in that list, and yeah. yeah. You take it for a, my mum went granted. to see him. She she went all the way to Madison Square Garden to see him, and she said it was the best gig of her life. And I was like, "Cheers, mum." <laughs> but then I was like, "I can't, I can't really argue with that." No. It's fucking Elton John. Like, we're hundred percent. Like, this is the best gig. We're hundred percent going on this tour. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I know it lasts three years, but yeah. we got we got to make sure. You have to, yeah. So going back to to, to Vanian, would a damned a, a yeah. big thing for you? For me, yeah. Like, I I I love punk rock music. Always have, but. Um, it, for me, it was just interesting because, it, you know, you, when you when you have a song like New Rose, which is so fucking important. That's, right? that's mine for best intro. Yeah, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. It's like, it's, for me, it's just, um, when, you, when you hear, when, you, when I found out, like, basically what happened was my mum was just driving along and, and, and I was, like, talking about punk rock and, you know, we were just having a weird game. She was like, oh, I remember. Back in the day, like, I went to see the Dant and Susie and the Banshees playing the pavilion in Hemel. I was like, what, what the fuck? Like, I was like, excuse me? Like, how the fuck did that? And she's like, oh, yeah, he's from Hemel. He's like, lift up the road. I was like, why have you not fucking... I was like, where, where, where was this? Like, where is this incredible young? piece of information? No, I was, I was like, older. Uh. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't know that. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, it was a great gig. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool, cheers, mum. So there's like, my, there's like, oh, I almost got this glimpse into, like, my mum's life. Of, mm. Like, they back then would just go to any gig that was yeah. on. Local that gigs, was the yeah. one that she remembered yeah. the most, was, like, fucking Susie and the Banshees and the Dan playing in Hemel Hempstead. Like, that ain't a bad lineup, is what? it? No. Fucking sick. <laughs> so and it feels sick. like, it feels like uh, the Dan's are now getting their recognition. Totally. Because it felt for so long through the sort of late 80s and early 90s that I think they'd, they'd done some stuff sort of mid to late 80s that was quite a departure, I think, from like the, mm. the early, early stuff, even though stuff like Wimbley Fiendish and that, to me, I, I think like, sort of madness and stuff like that, when I hear it, really mm. good pop songs. And I think they're pop sensibilities throughout anyway, but 
it feels now that the damned are getting that kind of nod that they were a fucking vital part of that scene. Exactly, mm -hmm. and I think it's integral that we acknowledge that like, across the board for all bands that, you know, that paved the way for everybody, really, because without them like making those bold statements and those big steps early on, like, so many of us wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be doing what we're doing. Because, and it's not about the direct link between me and the Damned. Like, it's about every single band that the Damned inspired mm -hmm. along the way, across the board, and how many of them fed into my life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's when you go... Is it, you, were, you were saying the other day, like, you, you'd read that article, so I can't remember who it was, but they were, say, they were basically saying, like, if you've listened to every song that you love, I know, it was, just, it was just um, Tom Mish. Tom Mish, He yeah. just tweeted and was just like, if you've, if you've ran out of new music, go and listen to who inspired your favourite bands. Yeah. Because obviously we're at a point now where it's trickled down. Yeah. It's not just always the Beatles. It's gone a long way yeah, and there's yeah. so many amazing artists. But it's a great thought, isn't it? Like, just go and listen to whoever it is inspired your favourite band and chances are you'll love them. Yeah, <laughs> nothing better than joining the dots. I yeah. love it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, just come back to Elton John quickly. You guys seen the trailer for the film? Yeah, yeah. It looks amazing. Man, is it Taron Egerton? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. and he's, he sings hell. it as well. Yeah. Really? Yeah. This is the best bit about it. Is obviously you normally you'd never try and cast someone that, that can look like it, act it, and sing yeah. it. But he sings the whole thing. Yeah. Which yeah, just makes it huge. really special. Final track. A song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. What did you go? 2019 from? by Kid Ah, oh, yes. Did I, was it 2019 or Glitterati? Uh, Kid Capucci, uh, Glitterati. Oh, it's their new it's one, their yeah, new yeah. yeah. The, this band are like... So we, we, we didn't know who they were. We had no fucking idea. We, went, we ended up doing like a radio session with Jack Saunders and you, he does this thing where you do like a little face-off and we pick a playlist and he, and he has a playlist and then people vote in and say who which was the better track mm. and um, I can't even remember what we picked to go up against it but he just dropped this song on us which was 2019 mm. by the band Kikapichi and we were both freaking out like this is the best fucking song we totally lost our call and just forgot about the fact we were on radio yeah. so. and we were just there like banging our head like who the fuck are these lot? like yeah. why like why have we not heard about this band yet and um, so immediately look, we'd left the radio and we just like got, got it up on the speakers and we just jammed it like mm. for a week solid. You know? Yeah. Then it found its way into the playlist. Then we ended up playing with them two nights ago. A and then nights ago. We've got a, like our birthday, my birthday on Saturday, and then Dean's birthday on the fourth of May. And we've got like a joint party on on Friday night, and they're kind of come play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they're like every really now and then we fall into the same band that we love, and that are also a sort of band that we can we can invite out on tour and stuff. And as soon as we do, we just we do everything we can to. Because yeah. we I, I specifically remember when there was a band that gave me an opportunity like that. And I, oh, I never... Architects for me. I know. Yeah. And, <laughs> but it's but important, isn't it? Yeah. But they, were, they went above and beyond and it wasn't benefiting them helping my band out at the time. Yeah. And like, not to be brutal to kick a picture, but it's them that we can help yeah. more than our tours. And it's like, it just feels awesome to be able to do that for, for, a, for a band that just writing amazing songs. And, it, and it's still... That still plays down now to us, you know, like mm. Biffy Clyro went yeah. out of their way for us to drag us onto a European tour. That we Bring me the horizon. Before. Bring me the horizon. Flew us to Australia. Flew us to Australia to play three shows. Yeah, again. I think yeah. it's important to carry that on, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So when you've got that opportunity and you have a platform like, to share, like, yeah, the, the easiest thing to do is to share it with a band that you love. Mm. So that's why I picked this one. Amazing. What's coming up? 
so much dude <laughs> the album obviously is coming out like soon when's this going out this will be going out I reckon in about three weeks time so the album's out <laughs> everyone loved it it was actually amazing out. everyone the reaction it's was awesome a new <laughs> classic like, number one fucking blowing everyone's minds um, so that's like the main thing that we've been focused on for yeah. the past half a year really mm. is just um, getting to this point because we've wanted to make a third album you know every band that we've been in has never quite made it to that um at least with us still in them um, <laughs> and so like for us it was really integral that we that we made that because i think you know when you go back and you look at artists like elton john you know he didn't have a hit until his third yeah. album you know mm. it, a lot of the time like they were never really give artists nowadays they're not given the time to develop do you know what i mean like they they they're shut down before yeah. um or they're, they're sold on or they're dropped mm. before they've even had a chance to like understand who it's they like are. if dark side of the moon's not your debut album then you're not a great band and Completely. it's like it wasn't <laughs> like, unfortunately yeah. that's the world we live in at the moment yeah. isn't it he's so as i mentioned at the beginning disposable that yeah. if you don't sell x amount of records by your first release you know think of all the amazing third albums that are missing from this planet so exactly yeah that's why it's important for us to make it here and then i think what we say as well is once you get to this point you you, you can kind of then sort of settle in and do as many as you want okay like we got through the hardest part which was to get to the third one yeah and now hopefully we'll make another 30 <laughs> fingers crossed that'd be nice wouldn't it festivals all of them yeah <laughs> reading and leeds that's the big one isn't it that's that's we're playing highest we've ever played on a main stage yeah, that's, uh, that's that's quite a spot isn't it yeah man it's unbelievable <laughs> i was just looking at the lineup from two fa- like year two thousand was the first year I went to Reading. I was like sixteen years old, and um, that was. We just looked at the lineup to see who was in that slot, and like, fucking, Sunday night is Slipknot. Fucking hell! After, after playing after Eminem and Rage Against the Machine, Blink One Eighty Two. Do you know what I mean? And then on the Friday it was fucking Foo Fighters, and now here we are, like nineteen years later. And it's us. And then, and then it's foods. a day to remember. And then the fucking Foo Fighters. And it's just like, if you were to tell me back then when I was like, hung, hanging mm. out my fucking ass in that tent, like shivering in the rain in a boiler suit wearing a slipknot mask, yeah. wearing a clown mask, by the way, one day you were going to be in that slot. Like, I would have been like, get the fuck out of mm. here. Like, that's yeah. not true. It was only five years ago someone said, you're going to play Reading full stop and I was like get the fuck yeah. out <laughs> like it's, it's really yeah. crazy like how yeah, quickly crazy, is yeah. there's that festival's sort of put us higher and higher up the bill that's that's John it's yeah. John, John Mack and it, the whole crew the belief, Reading, yeah. like they really from the very beginning Dan Carter he like I sent him two songs and, mm. and I was like hey like I'd never ask for this but like listen to these and if you like it give us a shot at, yeah. at Reading, you know, because uh, it would be the first year that I've missed it for a while. And he, mm. he listened, he's like, oh, it's done. Yeah, you're on, right? So he Yeah, we played Reading like four months after we started the band, basically. We had an EP, <laughs> and, we had, and we had one tour under our belt, yeah. and, and we, didn't even have, we didn't have a manager, we didn't have a booking agent, nothing. No. We just went and played. We played Reading. every year since. Right. We've been yeah, very fortunate. They've just, they've just constantly backed us and supported us, and it's been amazing. So, yeah. Fantastic. All the best, lads. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's been fun. I told you that was good. Knew you was going to enjoy it. What absolute 
lovely fellas. It was a real pleasure to be able to sit with them. Uh, could have spoken for ages, really, but uh, obviously the the new records out, and, and when they come to do that, it was just it was pre-release, so they were off doing loads of different media bits and pieces. So I felt really privileged that they they gave up some time to come and do this podcast. So thanks again to to those and, and, and Chris at the PR company uh, and Brian Message as well for helping facilitate this podcast big thanks to the queen of hoxton for letting me use the venue to record in and thank you mostly to you lot for listening thank you ever so much um it really is a a joy doing these podcasts it was something that i set out to do just through being pip's mate and guesting on a couple of his drunk casts it's grown and grown and grown and i'm just privileged now it seems almost weekly now to be able to to sit down with creative people whose work i'm you know, influenced by, inspired by, and and this episode you've just listened to was, was very much the case there. Um, thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time. See you later. Oh, yeah? Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a lot of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, and there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.